Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right. Another week and a disappointing end to a season to discuss as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 40. At the top of this week's show, as always, we've got Chalk Talk, where Greg Cosell and I are going to talk about this Eagles team after Saturday night's loss to Washington and really break down every position on the roster from top to bottom and going into the offseason, what is the state of of this Philadelphia Eagles team. I'm going to dive into that with Greg. Next up, we've got two technique with the Eagles cornerback, Eric Rowe, who I think is actually playing at a pretty high level right now. Eric's going to break down quarters coverage and what goes into that scheme on the back end. And then we're going to wrap things up with Saturday scouting, talk about some bowl game matchups with my favorite man in the room, my esteemed producer, BT. What's up, Brian? What's up, sir? How are you? Doing all right, doing all right. It was a uh, obviously a tough one Saturday. We had a night game. We had all Sunday to kind of, uh, you know, relax and and get back into the swing of things as we get in here it's we're filming this on monday uh after saturday night's loss obviously a very tough one to swallow you were in the booth for merrill and mike and merrill wears his emotions on his sleeve uh, maybe more so than anyone we know what was it like the being definition in the booth? of homer probably doesn't fit for merrill because <laughs> uh he's 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 more than that uh he literally he literally dies grew, he, with the team. he grew up here yes so the eagles are his i mean just i grew up here as well so it's it similar as well but it's very difficult for Merrill to to disconnect sometimes from from what's goes on, but he's always very honest, and it's just it, it hurt to uh, to hear the honesty just come out that blunt. You can always hear the pain in Merrill. Oh, absolutely, and and, and Mike's a little different, I think, because he's from a player standpoint, so he can he can separate the game once sure. the game ends and goes. You know what? It, it was a, it was a frustrating season, but you move on. And Merrill, I think every year he, I mean, as we all do, but he he goes 100% in, and he thinks we're going to get to the Super Bowl every single year. Absolutely. So it, it, it was tough for him. It was tough to watch him, like you said, swallow that pill, that loss. Exactly right. So uh, Mike Quick, you mentioned him, does a great job of approaching the game from an analytical standpoint. Another man who does that is NFL Film Senior Producer Greg Cosell. It's time for that part of the show. Let's talk with Greg here on Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Joining me this week on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Line in the Sky podcast, NFL Film Senior Producer Greg Cosell. And Greg, uh, the Eagles season is pretty much over. We were in week 17. Uh, the Eagles play this weekend against the New York Giants in a game that really only matters in terms of the final standings and draft placement. And also who will, uh, who will play in London reportedly next year against the St. Louis Rams. But, oh, really? Yeah, so that, that'll be interesting. But The winner or the loser? I believe the loser would play, will play in London. So, uh, so we'll see. It'll be very, very interesting. But uh, really the, the big thing now is just kind of looking at this roster and where it goes as we enter the offseason and we look forward to 2016 and beyond. And it's a, an area, obviously, that both of us are very, very interested in because – the offseason is, uh, is always an exciting time, you're, you're, the, the team-building aspect, and it's something that we'll talk about in the weeks and months to come. But as you look at this roster right now, based off of what you saw in film, really the, the number one question, obviously, starts at the quarterback position. It always does. And, I, and without question. And what now do you have in Sam Bradford, a quarterback who uh, the Eagles traded a second-round pick for, had faith that he'd be able to come in and be a solid starter uh, and be able to lead them to a winning season. Obviously, it didn't work out, 
not to, to Sam's discredit, but uh, what have you seen from Bradford? He's entering the free agent market. Is he a guy that uh, you were surprised with? Is he about what you expected? What was your overall feeling after watching 15-some games of Bradford? You know, I think he's had kind of an up-and-down season. Um, this The offense that he played in this year is very specific. I didn't quite see Bradford as that kind of quarterback uh, through the years in St. Louis, even when he came out of Oklahoma. I saw him more, a little more traditional NFL-type quarterback, the pocket quarterback, play action under center, deeper drops, more intermediate throws. That's not necessarily what this Eagles offense was. I think as the year progressed, he played better. Uh, overall, it's probably been somewhat of an uneven season for, for Sam. Uh, I, I, I always wondered how comfortable he felt in this style of offense. But here's the reality in the NFL, Fran, and you know this. He is essentially, now he can be franchised, but he's technically a free agent. Correct. And his agent, I believe, is Tom Condon. Correct. So what's going to happen is Tom Condon is essentially, because Bradford has played pretty much every game, put up pretty quality numbers, certainly shown himself to be a professional NFL quarterback, he's going to ask for a three-, four-, five-year deal at the going rate, which is $17, 18000000 million a year. And that's a decision that in some ways goes beyond how he played on the field. You have to make an organizational decision if you want Sam Bradford to be your quarterback for the next three, four years. And the issue you face in the, in the NFL, we saw it with other quarterbacks who signed, is it's easy to say, oh, he's not worth that. But then you have to line up with someone. That's the problem you face in the NFL. No question. And it's a, it's a question that uh, the Eagles have faced themselves yep. because it, obviously it's been a little bit of a, a rotation here at the quarterback position over the past four or five years here in Philadelphia with you know Kevin Cobb, then Michael Vick, then Nick Foles, Mark Sanchez, Sanchez. at times, and now you have Sam Bradford. Uh, do you dip back in to that rotation or do you commit to Sam Bradford in some way, shape, or form for the foreseeable future. It'll be a very interesting process to watch. It's the number one decision. No question. Because the quarterback's the number one player on a team, and it's it's therefore it's the number one decision that the Eagles organization has to make. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be very, very interesting to watch. And obviously there's lots of layers to that because yeah. it's not just because he, he is a free agent. It's not just do the Eagles want to bring him back. It's does Sam want to come back? Do the does he does he see the potential for other fits elsewhere? Uh, will any potential you know changes in the organization affect his decision? Very very interesting to see how the process unfolds over the course of the next few weeks. But uh, sharing the backfield with Sam Bradford, uh, the running backs rotation, and really what it's been is uh, a rotation over yep. the course over the last few weeks. And you have Demarco Murray, you have Ryan Matthews, you have Darren Sproles. Your feelings overall on where this running back group stands right now at this point, not necessarily what the, I guess what they thought they were going to be, but right now over the last couple of weeks on tape, what have you seen from this group? Well, let me just start by saying this. And again, what I think ultimately doesn't matter as to what the coaches think. I'm not a believer in a running back rotation. And I think you have to decide who your back is. Now, a third down back is different. You can play Darren Sproles on your, as, as your third down back. But I think for an offense that clearly wants to run the ball, as, as I believe a foundation, wouldn't you say so? I would absolutely agree. 
to me, you need a back. And ultimately, this is a team that's, they've done really two things in the run game. They run inside zone and they run outside plays, whether you want to call it sweep or outside zone. They're outside runs. They're the two basic runs that this team runs. And I think you have to choose a back. And it's very hard. I think any back, and I've talked to backs over the years, any back will tell you that running the ball becomes feel. It becomes instinct. I mean, yeah, can you coach a back on its first step or two? You can. But after that, as the expression goes, God takes over. And I think it's a feel thing. And I think it's very difficult to constantly play one back and then another back and alternate series. And to me, I think that's another decision that the organization has to make is, and, and Murray and Matthews are both under contract for next season. Correct. And I'm not saying it's an easy decision, but people with bigger investment portfolios than me are going <laughs> to have to make that decision. And I'm just not a believer personally in alternating backs. Well, that's the thing is that that decision is far above our pay grade. But when you look at what these two bring to the table, yep. and I'm talking about Matthews and Murray here, uh, they both have, you know, you could say similar skill sets, but certain strengths, certain variables yeah. that that make one different than the other. Uh, in, a, in a vacuum. In a vacuum, what you have with DeMarco Murray is he is a downhill track runner. Right. That's what he is. The strength of his game is he has natural power. He's relentless, and he at times can be punishing. He's not a naturally shifty runner. He's not naturally elusive. Matthews is more shifty, more elusive, not as powerful, not quite as strong. So they bring different skill sets to the table, and it's easy to say, oh, we like both skill sets, so we want to play them both. And I think that's, to me, that's a blackboard thing. That's easy to say when you're sitting around, you know, just shooting the breeze, but I don't think that ultimately works out when you want to play guys. And how much of the the lack of success on the ground for the Eagles this year, a lot of it would start with the offensive line. And yep. that's an issue where, you know, I mentioned this uh, on the Eagles Insider podcast this week, and to me that's the number one issue. Other than quarterback, obviously Sam Bradford is the number, the number right. one decision. But when you look at the play of the offensive line this year, that is the number one issue going into this offseason that needs to be addressed in some way, shape, or form. Uh, whether it's guys that are here developing and, and improving their game, whether it's free agency, whether it's the NFL draft, somewhere along the, along the line, the offensive line has, to, has, be, to, play has to play better. And I think in the NFL, and this might be one of the things that separates the NFL from college football, I think in the NFL, scheme can help an offensive lineman, but scheme can't make an offensive line be a great offensive line. Sure. And I, you would probably agree with Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And I think ultimately you hit it right on the head, whether it's the same players or whether different players are brought in through the, the mechanisms you said, the O-line has to play better and be more consistent as run blockers. You know, I made the, the we talked about this again, like, like I said on the Eagles Insider podcast, but really what it comes down to in my mind when you have the offensive line and the current structure and the way that it's playing at the moment. You know, let's let's say let's take a hundred plays for instance. We'll say on uh, you know we'll say sixty percent, maybe seventy five percent of the plays. Uh, you would need the offensive line four out of those five players to be all on the same page yep. in order to be successful, in order for it to be a successful play. And when four of those five players 
aren't on the same page. If, uh, you know, if one guy misses a block inside, if, uh, you know, there's a, there's a missed pass off somewhere. Now, all of a sudden, uh, that play is, is, is gone. It's a scrap play because of a busted look up front. And what you're doing is if when, when you have so many of those busts, now you're limiting the pool as to which your play can be successful yes. because, uh, you know, obviously it starts along the offensive line. If you're limiting the number of possible plays that can be successful and then you also have the other uh, lower level pieces when you in terms of, hey, look, the, the wide receivers are a little bit inexperienced. You know, there were a lot of drops this year. There was you know, some inaccurate passes from Sam Bradford. There were, you know, obviously they weren't always on the same page in the passing game. Sometimes it would be on the running back and they wouldn't hit their correct hole. Now, when you have all those other little issues, they get magnified because you have such a smaller window for success because of the offensive line. Yeah, and I think another really important player we talked about Bradford is Jason Peters. Sure, Jason Peters has been the rocket left tackle for years. Uh, through these last number of years, many would have said he was the best left tackle in football. This year, I think we started to see age creep in a little bit. Some minor injuries probably did not play as consistently as he has in years past, and. Now you have to decide, is is he still your left tackle going forward? That's an important question as well. You hit on the, the wide receivers. Another situation where, whether it's the same players or different ones, the overall position has to be better. Now, the position has been addressed. See, people might say, oh, right. you haven't addressed it. Well, they drafted two years ago Jordan Matthews in the second round and Josh Huff in the third round. This year they drafted Nelson Aguilar in the first round. Now, I'm not a believer that you ever call a first-year player a bust. So Nelson Aguilar is not a bust. But however you want to look at it, the wide receiver position has to be more productive next year. No question about it. And you look at the tight end group as well. Uh, Zach Ertz has continued. You know, I think Zach Ertz has shown that he can be a very competent player at the NFL level, especially in the passing game. Right. Uh, has been very productive over the last few weeks in particular now that he's fully healthy coming off that injury sustained earlier in the season. Uh, How much longer can Brent Selleck play? No question. I mean, that's another question because now who's your second tight end? Right. Yeah, I mean, now you're talking, is it Trey Burton? And he and he has shown flashes for right. sure throughout his career. But uh, we'll be a definitely, you know, in terms of the pass catchers, I'm going to be very interested to see how that's addressed in the offseason. Do they bring in some free agent wideouts to, to compete with some of these guys? Is there another draft pick that's spent uh, after three have been drafted in the last two seasons, as you alluded to? will be very, very interesting to watch. And then when you look at the defensive side, the strength of the team, we said this coming out of last year, the defensive line. Uh, they, last year they didn't have any injuries. This year they had a lot of injuries to deal with. They still didn't lose much in terms of production. Benny Logan seemed to fall off a little bit towards the back end of the season. But he's not 100% healthy, uh, as we saw he was inactive this past week. What, what are your feelings overall on where this unit stands, obviously led by Fletcher Cox? Yeah. You know, to me, and, and we didn't, if we just go back to the offense for a second to help segue into the defense, sure. I think one of the things that the offense is lacking, which I think is important in the NFL levels, they lack speed. And I think you could almost make the same claim on defense, particularly when you look at the back seven or the back six, whatever you want to call it. And, and Fletcher Cox is a great player. Logan, as you said, is a really good player. Cedric Thorne is a free agent, correct? Correct. So we don't know what happens there. They, they've, again, drafted to address that. Not high, but... Theoretically, they've drafted Taylor Hart could step in and play. He's played meaningful snaps this year. Absolutely. Um, when you start looking at a linebacker and the back end, 
you know, I think they have a keeper in Jordan Hicks. I really do. No question. I would 100% agree. But I think there's questions going forward as to D'Amico Ryan's future, what Michael Kendricks is. He's signed, but what he ultimately is, he's a flash player right now. Not consistent enough, but a flash player. Does Kiko Alonso become a better player another year removed from a major injury? Because, hey, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. He was not a very good player on film this year. So that that position, to me, is a little bit in flux. And on the back end, you know, Maxwell, he was kind of inconsistent. I think Eric Rowe started to perform better as the year has gone on. I think Eric Rowe has a chance to be a solid NFL corner. Yeah, I think over the past couple of weeks, he's shown that he's certainly has the ability, like you said, to be a solid corner. Surely can prove himself to play yep. play the cornerback position at the NFL at the NFL level. And you look at Nolan Carroll, who started the yep. off season, or started the season as the starter. He's a free agent as well. Is he, is he a guy after what you saw from Nolan Carroll over the first, uh, we'll say, eight or nine weeks of the season? Is he a guy that you would be looking to bring back into the fold? You know, I think probably for competition purposes. I think uh, so, yeah. You know, but, you know, it's funny. I was watching a player on tape today who's really, I think he's in his third or fourth year by now, and he's had his ups and downs, but now I think he's progressed to the point where he's a solid NFL corner, and I think Eric Rowe could be somewhat similar to this guy, and that's Trumaine Johnson from the Rams. Interesting, okay who was a safety and a corner in college, I believe, of Wyoming. Wyoming or, or Montana. Montana, yeah. Montana. And when he came in the league, people weren't sure what he was, just like Eric Rowe. Right. And he's kind of evolved over time into now a pretty solid corner. In fact, he sh- did a great job shutting down Calvin Johnson a few weeks ago. I think Eric Rowe could eventually become that kind of player because Johnson's 6'2", 215, sure. which is close to basically what Rowe is, give or take. You Very know, so, so I think Roe can develop. Uh, obviously, he's not going to be a quick twitch, you know, dynamic athlete. That's not what he is. But I think he can be a solid corner. Interesting. And then the safety position, Malcolm Jenkins, uh, Walter Thurmond. Thurmond's a free agent. I think, yeah. that, I think with the... Uh, the scarcity of the safety position around the league. I would be very surprised if, if Thurman wasn't an Eagle in 2016. Yeah, and now you get into what what the agent game and what sure. agents think a guy can get on the open market. You know, is Walter Thurman, for the most part, for a guy who's not played safety in his NFL career, he acquitted himself well. Now, is he a, a big-time NFL safety? No, you wouldn't call him a big-time NFL safety, but I think he had a pretty solid season. So now, now it comes down. See, there's guys they have to pay right. if they want to keep them. And it all comes down to what the, the market bears because you can't pay everybody. Sure. And they have to pay Fletcher Cox. Yeah. No, there's no question about it. That's a, that's a contract that is certainly looming. Uh, what would you say coming into the offseason? I, I would think that most Eagles fans would say, any, I'll take any talent that you can get and put onto this team. Other than the quarterback position, which we've addressed what would you say is the biggest area of concern on both sides of the ball? Obviously, you could talk, you know, there's the well, offensive line. Well, there's two things to me, two things, if I can sure. give two instead of yeah, one. Absolutely. The O-line, because I think it's really difficult to have a consistent offense in the NFL yep. without an O-line that's at least consistent. Does it have to be a top three O-line? No, but it can't have peaks and valleys on a weekly basis. Certainly not the valleys as low as no, the valleys were. No. 
And I think corner, because I think corner, whether it's the same players, which it likely will be. I don't believe Byron Maxwell is going anywhere right. after the contract he signed. And Eric Rose, certainly not. And we don't know about Carroll. I think in the NFL, if you can't match up at corner on a pretty consistent basis, you're going to have problems. Yeah. You're going to have problems. See, one of the, one of the other areas, and we haven't talked about this area yet, is you know, I, I think that and I think that Brandon Graham and Connor Barwin are a, could, a good duo in terms of being outside pass rushers. I think you still need another guy to be uh, a threat off the corner. I agree. You know, and I think that I, I wonder how much someone like that, how much his presence could really help those guys on the back end. Yeah, because I, it's a great point because I think when you look at Barwin, who, who I think we both really like as a player, and despite having what the number of sacks he had last year – I don't think he would be described around the league as a pure edge pass rusher. Exactly, He's a good player. Right. And Graham, I think Graham is a good player, but I'm not sure he'd be described that way either. Exactly. So you really want that guy who truly can press the edge and be a big-time pass rusher. Right. And so uh, it's interesting because you talk about uh, Bill Davis and, and what he, his strengths are as a defense coordinator. I think one of the things that he's always done really well is that he does a really good job of creating pressure right. with four or five. Right. That works to a certain extent. extent. You, can't, you can't rely on doing that down after down, week after well, week. it's a numbers game. Exactly. The more people that are in, in the rush, the less people are in coverage. Exactly. So, so having somebody uh, that can be kind of a dynamic uh, edge threat as a pass rusher, I think could help this defense go a long way. That's one reason why Fletcher Cox this year, uh, significant numbers of snaps basically lined up at defensive end right. in their nickel or dime. Yeah, you saw him have, have a sack this past week against Washington. Yeah, because he's arguably their best edge pass rusher. Right, which uh, obviously it's not, it's not ideal. Right. It's great to have a guy like Fletcher Cox, but it's definitely not an ideal world. Uh, so very, very interesting, Greg. We have a, uh, a lot to talk about it moving forward through the next few weeks and the, as the offseason continues. I'm sure we will have you here again soon on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Grant. Great stuff from Greg, and as most of you know, you can follow him on Twitter at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. Give me a follow if you like what you're hearing on this podcast. I tweet out the links to this show, all of the other podcasts I'm a part of, the Eagle Eye in the Sky column, which will continue throughout the offseason, as will this show for the first time. So there's got a lot more to talk about here as the offseason gets into full swing. Uh, make sure you go check that out, and you know I appreciate it everyone that gives us love and promotes the podcast on social media. Let's keep the ball rolling here on this show, though. I had a great conversation with Eagles cornerback Eric Rowe. Let's get that going with two technique. Time to get inside the mind of a player. It's time for two technique. Joining me this week on two technique on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, Eagles cornerback Eric Rowe. And Eric, uh, obviously a lot thrown at you throughout your rookie season. One of the coverages that the Eagles will play is quarters coverage. And, uh, I think a lot of people, a lot of fans will look at quarters and they think, okay, four defensive backs playing, you know, responsible for the deep end of the field, and they think prevent type defense. It's not really a prevent type defense. Talk about what is your role on the outside as a cornerback playing in a quarters coverage. For corners, you know, our main role is to defend the, the post and the fade ball. Anything underneath is kind of, it's kind of like the weakness of it. You know, they run comebacks, digs. Uh, at the corner, like, that's not our responsibility. But, you know, we would like to challenge it. But it's not necessary that we have to stop that. And then one of the things that's interesting to me about the quarters coverage is, like I said, it's not really necessarily a prevent defense because those safeties in the middle of the field have run responsibilities. So when you're playing as a corner and the team runs, let's say the receiver on the outside is running a post, 
how do you know if that help is still there? Do you have to, you know, kind of keep one eye on the receiver and one eye on, on if the safety's there or not? Or you almost kind of trust the, the construct of the coverage? Uh, if he's running the post, I mean, that's not the safety's responsibility to help you in any way. So you're on your own. So uh, if I know he's running the post or, or a nine ball, I mean, it's just me, just like one-on-one. I mean, if you can, if the safety can help you, I mean, you know, that's great. But, I mean, just don't expect it. So at what point does it, and that's one of those zone coverages that a lot of people say really, even though it's a zone concept, it's really kind of man coverage at a certain point. At what point does it become a man-type coverage? In a corner's, like, in a corner's eyes, it's, it, like if I'm on the field, if number one is pushing vertical, it, you know, past 10 yards, it's, it's like man now. Uh, you know, if he does a comeback, you know, it's not our play to stop it, but we drive it, he does a dig, you know, we drive it, we squeeze it. Uh, but, I mean, if he does, like, a little five-yard hitch, you know, that's, that's, not, that, that's not man. We're just going to keep pushing back. Sure. But So, really, after 10 yards, it, you know, it's almost like man-to-man now. Great stuff there from Eric. He did a great job breaking down the specifics of quarters coverage as an outside cornerback. So, now I'm going to quickly break down how to subscribe to a podcast. It's simple. All you have to do is go to your device, whether it's a, whether it's a phone or whether it's a laptop or a, a tablet Whatever your fancy, uh, your smart device is, go to your native podcast app, search for Eagle Eye in the Sky, hit subscribe, and the show downloads to your device each and every week. You can find this podcast, the Eagles Insider Podcast, the Journey to the Draft Podcast presented by AAA. You're getting into that part of the year where getting the Journey to the Draft Podcast is of the utmost importance. We are going to hit full swing with that starting on January 18th down at the East-West Shrine Game in St. Petersburg, Florida. So you don't want to miss any of the action leading up to that event and then going through for the rest of the offseason. So we've got a lot of great content coming your way. Again, all you have to do is go to that native podcast app, search for the show you want to find, hit subscribe, and it comes to your show to your phone each and every week. But let's wrap this show up here like we do every week. Let's talk some college football. It's time for Saturday Scouting. All right, B, it's that time of the show. It's Saturday Scouting. Uh, and obviously it's a huge week in college football. All the big bowls happen this week. You've got the huge uh, New Year's Eve day, the this, New Year's This is per- when the good stuff starts. Oh, yeah. I mean, all the other bowls are great, They're too. They're good, but, but... But this is where really this is, this the, is this is where the big boys... potatoes. Yeah, this is, this is potatoes. the big boys come to play uh, here this week in college football, and I broke down all of the top matchups for the big three, the three big ones on the College Draft Podcast this week with Ross Tucker, uh, former NFL offensive lineman, again, on the College Draft Podcast, but... Let's talk about a few other matchups that I want to hit on because I'm going to hit on some more later this week in my Saturday scouting column uh, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. You can look for that on Thursday morning. Let's just real quickly, let's just dive into a few matchups. I know you have a few that you want to hit me up on. Yeah, the Tax Slayer Bowl, uh, it's on Saturday at noon. Uh, you got a couple guys, got a guy to look for that we talked about earlier uh, in, in the podcast. Yeah, that would be an uh, earlier podcast. On an earlier podcast. That's a, a Penn State quarterback. Christian Hackenberg, and he's going up against Georgia, and this is going to be an interesting game. Look, it's after the New Year's Eve and New Year's Day Bowls, so uh, once you get in on Saturday, it's nice and relaxed. It's January 2nd. The Tax Slayer Bowl, you've got two teams that are very interesting because two diff- two teams without coordinators. Christian Hackenberg is very much still undecided, reportedly, about whether he's going to enter. 
Everyone thinks he will, but he hasn't done so officially yet. So this could be a very huge showcase for him against a defense that has some talent, especially in that front seven. Uh, you know, you've got Leonard Floyd, who I think is a top 15 type player. Jordan Jenkins, the senior edge player who will be down at the senior ball, more of the, the, that Brandon Graham type of player, the power and leverage type rusher. Uh, and they've got some other young guys coming up too on the edge and in the secondary there for Georgia. So now if you're Christian Hackenberg, I've said it in the past, I think that right now when you're looking at Hackenberg, you're thinking one of two things. You're either really still hanging on to that talent that he has, that natural arm talent. He's got a, a cannon for a right arm. He's got the size. He's got everything you want from a measurable standpoint from the quarterback position. But now it comes down to consistency. It comes to accuracy and ball placement, uh, being able to stand tall under pressure. There were times as a sophomore and a freshman, I thought he did that at a very high level. I can think back to the bowl game last year against Boston College in the pinstripe bowl where he made some unbelievable NFL throws with defenders bearing down on him where he's had to move in the pocket and deliver the football uh, in a muddy area. And he, he didn't do that consistently enough in the games that I watched so far this year. And that has been an issue for him. So now you're either hanging on that or you think he's got no shot. You think that there's no way uh, that he can be accurate enough at the NFL level. People talked about that with Logan Thomas a couple of years ago out of Virginia Tech because he had the arm, he had the athleticism, he had the size, and now he's out of the league because he, didn't, he showed that he couldn't be accurate enough to hang in the NFL level. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens with Hackenberg. It's a huge outing for him on Saturday. Yeah, no, the biggest thing with him has been consistency. He has the, like you said, he has all the measurables. It's just about, you know, what are you doing Snap after snap after snap. Exactly. Um, and I love Leonard Floyd, the uh, the outside ed, ed, edge rusher. It, I don't know what we want to call him, but kid can can get to the quarterback. He's a stud. So the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl Thursday at noon. You have a uh, Terrence Smith versus Greg Ward Jr. And I'm actually very interested in Greg Ward Jr. I watched him play uh, when they played Temple. Sure. Very dynamic kid. Can can definitely use it with his legs. But what, can he do anything with his arm? Well, that that'll be the big question. And really, I think to me and. and Greg Ward's going to go back to school for another year, so uh, he'll have another year to kind of prove himself down there with the Cougars. But when you look at Terrence Smith as a guy that we're going to see up close and personal at the East-West Shrine game, I think he's one of the more athletic linebackers in the entire country. I think he's a little bit undervalued right now. I'm surprised that he didn't earn a senior bowl invite because he's a guy who's got good size. He can play inside. He can play outside. He can play in coverage. He can defend the run. There were some times this year where I thought that he was you know, lacking a little bit in terms of gap discipline. He missed some time uh, in terms of his injuries this year, which he hadn't done in the past. He had been pretty healthy throughout the course of his college career. A lot of people thought he was going to be a defensive end coming out of high school, and he's really just kind of grown into an NFL linebacker body. I'm really intrigued by Smith and what he can do. Again, because he's got that athleticism to be able to play sideline to sideline, also drop in reverse and play in coverage. So against a quarterback like Ward, who hurts defenses with his feet more often than not, can he keep him contained in the pocket? And in those situations where he does break the pocket, I'll be very interested to see how Smith matches up. Cool. Next one we got here is the, uh, the B-dubs, uh, Buffalo Wild Wing Citrus Bowl, which is at Friday at 1 p.m. Uh, Demarcus Robinson versus Jordan Lewis and Wayne Lyons. Yeah, and really this is an interesting matchup because Demarcus Robinson just got reinstated for the game. For the game uh, from Florida, from right? From Florida, yep. right. And he's an underclassman. He's uh, reportedly declared for the draft. The head coach said he was coming out, and then Demarcus Robinson went on social media and said, I, I don't know what he's talking about. I'm, I'm not, I didn't declare for the draft yet. Our friend Tony Pauline from DraftInsiders.net has said that he fully intends – to declare, so we'll see what happens here with Robinson. But a very dynamic talent. You know, I watched him in the offseason. I was very, very impressed with his speed, his athleticism, his quickness in and out of breaks. I thought that there were times where he played the ball really, really well in the air. Uh, he showed a nasty demeanor as a blocker on the outside. I mean, I think that he does things at a very, very high level across the board for the wide receiver position. 
consistency is an issue. And then, two, the off-field has been an issue as well. We talked about him earlier in September. He started the season on the, at third team on the depth chart with a new coaching staff and Jim McElwain there at Gainesville. Uh, and that had been an issue for him throughout the season. Even though he did leave, lead this team in receiving, uh, the off-field will be a question for him. But very dynamic talent, no question about it. Now you're going up against a Michigan secondary that you've got two players that are really solid, solid prospects. And you've got Jordan Lewis, the junior. Like him a lot. Who has already said he's going to stay in school. So he's going back to Michigan. Uh, but will be one of the top senior corners going into next year. Has been very, very productive and has been a shutdown corner for that defense. And then you look... Uh, on the other side, and Wayne Lyons, who's a, who's a senior corner, transferred from Stanford, played for Harbaugh at Stanford. Uh, a lot of people see his potential safety convert. He's a, a press corner uh, who shows pretty good instincts in the back end. The question is, what kind of an athlete is he? And that will determine whether he stays at corner or moves to safety. Next one here. Uh, I did not realize it was it was called this the Battle Frog Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, Tony, give me size Battle Frog. I, I did. I'm like Battle Frog. Is this, <laughs> is this a typo? Yeah, the Battle Frog uh, Fiesta Bowl in Glendale uh, Friday at one. So you got Von Bell and Tyvis Powell going up against Corey Robinson and Alize Jones. Yeah, and Alize Jones is really the uh, the standout true freshman tight end there for Notre Dame. A lot of people think very highly of him and his NFL future, so you can keep an eye on him in this game. Corey Robinson, the son of David the Admiral. Uh, Great hands. David, David Robinson, I should say. Uh, Corey Robinson is a very interesting guy. A big kid, strong hands, has the ability to go up and win at the catch point. Very intriguing talent, and he's going up against a pair of safeties now uh, for Ohio State and Tyvis Powell and Von Bell. Bell has already declared that he's going to enter the draft reportedly via Tony Pauline from DraftInsider.net. I think that Tyvis Powell, a lot of people think very highly of him as well. So when you're watching this this Fiesta Bowl, and again, this is a game that probably more than any other game that you're going to watch this week has more NFL talent than any of these other players. I mean, I think that personally, whether you're talking about for next year and the year after, so we'll say for 2016 and 2017, I think this game between Notre Dame and Ohio State 50-plus players probably that will be playing in the NFL over the next two years. Just a ridiculous amount of talent on both, te- on both teams. And, and it's really just going to be a, it's gonna be a fun game to watch because you have all these matchups on, on both sides, whether it's you know Jalen Smith, the linebacker from Notre Dame, against Ezekiel Elliott, or if it's Michael Thomas, the wideout from the Buckeyes, against Kaveri Russell from Notre Dame. All these, the best players from both teams are going to be matched up against the best talent on the other side, and it's just going to be a really fun game to watch. It's crazy that this is obviously not one of the, the four playoff These guys are not one of the four playoff teams, but uh, this is one of those matchups that you just got to watch that's not one of the major match. That's not one of the big big bowl games exactly it's, it's still going to be a great game in terms of watch talent no question um just last one here franklin american mortgage music city bowl uh wednesday at seven you have german Fetti versus uh Devante fields yeah and fields really burst onto the scene as a true freshman down at tcu and i think he had, you know he had double digit sacks that year got us some off-field issues and multiple off-field issues ended up going to junior college uh ended up in louisville and i think he's had a pretty solid year Going up against Jermaine Effetti, and you know Effetti has already declared for the draft. He's a redshirt junior, trying to keep that streak alive of Texas A&M offensive linemen that go in the first round. I don't think he's going to meet that, but he's a big kid. He's 6'6", 335 pounds, and he's got pretty light feet for his size. And guys like that typically don't last long on draft weekend, so I would be very surprised to see if him last into the third day of the draft, even though – he needs a lot of work with his hands. He needs work with his pad level. A lot of technique refinement is needed with Jermaine Effetti. So uh, a guy that will be very interesting to watch. And, again, he's going to go up against one of the more talented pass rushers in the country. I love, I love, this is that time of year where I love to watch, see, see what guys kind of kind of put, uh, put their names out there. And uh, it's always good football because everyone's got something to play for. Exactly so, right. Uh, sh- should be should be a good, uh, good games this week. No question about it. Well, let's wrap this show up again. Uh, thanks very much to Greg Cosell and to Eric Rowe and my producer, Brian Thomas. 
uh, and all of you out there listening, whether you're on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the mobile app, uh, t- iTunes or Stitcher or Podbay, wherever you're listening to the podcast, appreciate it. And where, whenever you can, please, again, the best way to support the show, go on to iTunes, go on to Stitcher, rate it, comment it, do whatever you can to support. Leave us a question. Let us know what your thoughts are. Leave us a question even to get answered on the show because I love interacting with fans on a daily basis. So whenever you can, just go on, support the show. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast from my producer, BT. I'm Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you next week.